But for the moment, they stand there, two fellows together, wondering what happened to them. This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest, the podcast that wears a bucket hat made of tweed. Does it now? Well, it does today for Out of Town. Yeah. The, as it's self-described as the English Country Diary, presented by Jack Hargreaves, the inspiration for such luminaries as Coughing Bob Fleming or... Jed Thomas from The Fast Show. Yeah. Uh, originally broadcast Southern Television between 1963 and 1981. This is from after that, when Channel 4 picked it up after Southern fell apart. And if you want to know more about that, you can listen to our episode on House Party. It's a good episode. It is. I recommend got a, it. Half a recipe for an anchovy souffle yeah, in there. Yeah. You just you just got to freestyle the other bits. Yeah. Yeah. So this is from 1986, which I know surprised you. Yeah. No well, end. you know, I I actually had to go check the Wikipedia page for Out of Town to see if it was like archive footage from maybe the 70s. I actually wrote down what year I thought it was. And it was nine. I, I thought it was 1972, <laughs> uh, and then I thought it was 1974, <laughs> and then it came up that it was 1986. And this was everywhere in it. It was like the opening titles, and this Greek funeral music, and like just this kind of, you know, it's plodding, yeah. and these He's horrible on, yeah. bright yellow graphics. And Jack Hargreaves is. Uh, sat on a horse and trap with his pipe and his fishing hat and that. Yeah, and it and it, you know, it's a bucolic it, scene. It, yeah, it looks, it looked fifteen years older than it was at least, and this was at a time when things moved considerably more quickly than they do nowadays. It it looked old fashioned. <laughs> um, I was very surprised that it was nineteen eighty six. And then you've got the potting shed, which is basically just a set. Yeah. Well, I mean, you see, that is a, an interesting point. I and mean, you, you bring up that I, uh, I think, was more willing to believe that it wasn't a set. But... You thought it was his actual potting shed. Well, yeah, but then as soon as, soon <laughs> as you point that idiot. out, I do... I do think that there is an echo in there akin to that of the nave at Lincoln Cathedral. Also, so, how would you get all the cameras and lights in an yeah. actual potting shed? There's yeah. no way is there enough room. But th- this is this is the format of Out of Town. Jack Hargreaves goes along on his horse and trap at the start. I mean, then bless you for thinking that. Then we're in the we're in the potting shed, quote, potting shed. And Jack introduces usually two films that they've made. Uh, and they they usually revolve around the same sort of sad story of the decline of traditional arts and crafts. That yard of Curly Iron Bar is the symbol of a dying culture, one of the rich, small 
cultures which are giving all the way from the Amazonian Indians to the Eskimos which are giving way in, before a tide of denim and plastic and microchips and sparkling plugs and frozen snacks. First things first, he holds up this kettle lion. Yep. And it's just a big black kettle. And it looks dirty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a yard-long bit of... Um... Yeah. You wouldn't want to drink a cup of tea made with water that had been in that. Maybe put it, I'll put it that way. The subject of the, the first film, and each film is, a, you know, about ten minutes or so, was the Appleby Horse Fair, which is an annual sort of AGM for travelling people from all over the UK, which is held not in North Yorkshire, as Jack Hargreaves says. It makes me wonder whether or not he went to a, you know, <laughs> corresponding horse fair. Yeah. That, that was identical in every regard. Uh, it's actually uh, held in Appleby in Westmoreland in Cumbria and has been since 1775. Right. With two exceptions, both in this century, 2001 for foot and mouth, yeah, and, and 2020 for COVID-19. Although I believe both times, because of a long-standing traveller superstition, that if at least six people don't turn up, that things will be taken away from them. And that superstition probably comes from the fact that if six people don't turn up, things are taken away from them. Then you, the, the, they they were meant to do it with a sort of a skeleton staff this year. Right, presumably okay. six of them running horses up and down the crossroads. Well, good on them for you know sticking yeah, by the but sticking by the rules on that. A hundred people turned up. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, a hundred people is, I should imagine, substantially less than it would be normally. He, he said there was something like five thousand there when they were the, the making the film. Right. And the films are made by Stan Brayhart, who is a long-standing cameraman of Jack's. Right. Essentially, he's a natural history filmmaker. So you've got, what you get there is that very sort of passive observer. Okay, well, it's very interesting that you should say that. Because the second note that I put, the first note was... Do they know he's there? Because it looked like he was looked like they were peering through a hedge at them. And the second thing I wrote was, "This is like a wildlife documentary." It's a very passive sort of observer. I suppose that if you're a wildlife cameraman, it sort of uh, ill behooves the wildlife cameraman who who says to an antelope, "Watch out! There's a tiger over there." Well, the you've thing just got to let whatever's going to take its course take its course. The thing is that right at the very end of it, he's doing his little piece to camera. Yeah. And he kind of seemed to imply to me that actually he was a bit annoyed that they didn't want to talk to him. That was... I I picked up that vibe and I actually watched this a few days ago so I can't specifically remember what it was that I picked up on. But just something about... Just the tone he was talking about that a little bit, and the tone of his voice just kind of changed ever so slightly. It was um, mildly unsettling, but <laughs> it was not the most unsettling thing about this uh, documentary. No. And these are the horses, nine out of ten of which have never 
been in the shafts of a caravan, but there's still the coloured horses that the gypsies love, what some people call skewballs and pieballs, but what country people call coloured horses, and the gypsies love them. People wonder why it is that certain races, like the Red Indians and the gypsies, go for coloured horses. I think they actually, the example is the explanation is very simple because both the Red Indians and the Gypsies are horse-stealing races and they're the most difficult horses to steal. You see, you can steal a bay horse like that in Yorkshire and put him in a sale at Barnet a week later and it'd be very difficult for anybody to recognise him. But every coloured horse has got a different pattern on him and once you've lived with him for a week, you uh, can't mistake him for anything else. Because I'm calling it, and I'm calling it early... Jack Hargreaves is a racist. Um, uh, well, I mean, I could argue that perhaps he is only as racist as somebody who was born in 1911. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But by the standards of today... Well, and by the standards of Channel 4 in 1986, if we're honest... You'd think, wouldn't you? The nomenclature, let's start with that, of travelling people... Who you know? He dismissively sort of says, "Well, that's how they refer to themselves." Yes, that, he does. Yes. That not enough of a clue for you, Jack. Yeah. But the the one that leapt out at me is an entirely unsubstantiated claim. Yeah, it, you know, and the thing is that when you say races, yeah, which which is what he did, he did, yeah. Then it be, kind of becomes fairly unequivocal that he's being racist. racist. Yeah. He also doesn't barely differentiate between Romany travellers and Irish travellers. Yeah. He tends to talk more about the Romany side of it because they're not turning up in, you know, in caravans towed on the back of cars. They're turning... There's a, there's still a few that turn up um, with, uh, you know wooden carts that are pulled by horses. Yeah, there's a there's a, a shot of Jack admiring one of the traditional yeah. highly yeah. decorated and painted yeah. carts. And and here's the thing, Jack, you know, we'd all like to live in a wooden cart. But a wooden cart and horses is a fucking ball ache in comparison yeah. with a with a with a caravan and a car. And that's part of my objection to this programme. He's like, you know, kind of unhappy that these traditions are dying out but they're dying out because a car and a caravan is fucking easier and if that's your yeah. house that's your home then you know there ain't a great deal of room for sentiment you're gonna go and live in a wooden hut are you jack yeah bet his house was double glazed in the in the film in the uh, commentary for the film which yeah. i think he probably knocks off in you know, real time. Yeah, but the Just... thing is, yeah, but I mean, the thing is that, like I say, he doesn't differentiate between Irish travellers and um, and Romany travellers. And I strongly suspect that by the mid-1980s, in fact, I'm pretty certain that by the mid-1980s, the majority of travellers in this country were not Romany. They were Did... Irish travellers. And that kind of failure to differentiate, because they are kind of, broadly speaking... Uh, you know, they, they have different lifestyles. It was surprising that he didn't talk more about the fact that what you actually had here was kind of two big groups. Yeah. 
coming well, it's together. weird, isn't it? Because I mean, he himself says that travelling people are territorial, like like birds, like robins, mm, like robins. Yeah, he does. Like he, robins. Yeah, he makes that comparison. I didn't even know that robins were territorial. I, I um, have no idea. Maybe, maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. You know, I, I I I bow to Jack Hargreaves' superior knowledge of countryside matters on that one. <laughs> But I'm not willing to cut him some slack when he's saying, you know, travelling people are all essentially um, aggressive, pugilistic sorts. Yeah. Tinkers and um, there's it's just I don't I'm, apart from the horse stealing thing, there's hmm. there isn't a lot of overt statements. But all of all of the tropes and all of the stereotypes, they're all there. They all yeah. inform the commentary. He does talk about them as though they're not quite human. And I don't really know how else you can substantiate racism well, I mean, other I than think... that. You know, the overall tone of it, like I say, is the tone of a wildlife documentary. And that in itself is damning. What the hell yeah. are you doing making a wildlife documentary about people? Make a people documentary if you're going to make one. One one of the things that makes it so like a wildlife documentary is there's no vox pops. Yeah. There's no... I mean, Jack is there. He's, there's several shots of him being there. Yeah. So yeah. Eventually, why, eventually. Why he, he's not going to talk to people. I mean, he, even, even just talking to the police and the, the fire service who are both involved simply because 5,000 people have turned up at a crossroads in um, yeah. Cumbria, yeah. more or less in an ad hoc fashion, and, and it stopped the traffic up yeah. for miles. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, that that situation, regardless of the rights or wrongs of it, has to be managed, you know? Yeah. What are you going to do? Just go, oh, well, I don't know, we'll, we'll close off a square mile around them and, you know, they'll go after a couple of days? Yeah. That, that, that's not going to happen, is it? But the fact of the matter is that it still all went ahead and presumably they got the traffic sorted out. Yeah, one one has to assume that seeing that it's been going on since 1775, Yeah, local people... And and also, it's got a regular date as well, as Jack yeah. points out. It's the Wednesday after Derby Day, as if people know when that is. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to have a fair amount to do with Irish travellers because I worked in the building trade uh, okay. in the 1990s. And for a couple of years, I worked for a builder merchants. And um, they used to come to us to get the block paving for driveways. And we didn't, you know, they they obviously have a reputation for sort of doing a bad job or doing half a job, this, that and the other. I mean, I don't know how true that was of this lot. The only thing I do know for certain is that they were in once a week, twice a week, sometimes every day. Getting the old block paving. Uh, yeah, always paying cash. So they were getting plenty of work. And I don't think you can get plenty of work if you cut and run or do a really shit job. so Or, you know. or steal someone's horses. Yeah, but I mean, that's, they that's were... That's no way to they, run a business. There were there were two of them, both called Miles Cash. Uh, one older, one younger. We had no issues with them. We had no problems ever 
they always paid in cash. Uh, unsurprisingly, cash by name, cash by nature is what we used to call them. Um, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I also lived quite near one of their campsites. Um, it was probably about, I would say, about a mile from where I lived. As you know, as we've established on podcasts elsewhere, um, I grew up in a, like, for half of my childhood in London and then in a village uh, in Hertfordshire, a very small village um, between St Albans and Hatfield. And uh, at the bottom of the road in it that went through our village uh, was a dual carriageway. This was like quite a big, long, sort of sausage-shaped junctions with things coming off at each end and sort of halfway down. Really odd junction. But if you could walk along the side of it, there was a pathway along there, and if you walked along there, you got to this other road uh, that went up into St Albans. And um, on that corner, there was a like a, a traveller's site. And so a couple of their kids went to our school, went to my junior school. They were always there. They were just a part of life. They just, you know, they they did keep themselves to themselves. You know, you wouldn't see them out ever in pubs or anything like that. And we never had any problems whatsoever. So, you know, my viewpoint on travellers is that it, it, it is that the idea of treating them as subhuman is just runs completely contrary to my life experience. You know, it's as simple as that. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll always go out to bat for the travelling people. Always. The second film, far oh. less, far less uh, troubling from any point of view. Well, but, you, uh, you say that. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed the second film. Fucking hell, I mean... As a matter of fact, there's uh, two names for the entire male sheep in the British countryside, the ram and the tup. They're used differentially in different parts of the country, but where we lived, the sheep with horns was called a ram, and the sheep, male sheep of the breeds which didn't have horns was called a tup. There was a good old pub story about that, about a cottage widow who, in the field at potato picking time, was taken advantage of by the farmer without him removing his hat. Next week, he turned up at her cottage and hung his hat on a peg. Ah, she said, you rammed me last week. You're aiming to tuck me this. Because the ram has always been the symbol of macho sexuality. But it's not always like that, because young rams... uh, approach the matter with uh, just as much uh, embarrassment as young men first do. Let me show you some young rams encountering this problem for the first time. Was it actually called ramming time, or did I just write that down? No, it was called ramming time. Right, yeah, okay. the, it was called um, ramming time. It wasn't just... Just the name I gave it. Jack goes to visit a field full of Hampshire Down sheep and there's a meeting going on between some sort of bordering sheep farmers and and Jack explains that there is essentially a, a leasing agreement that takes place where 
first season rams you know like all the all the young ram virgins who haven't really done any yeah. ramming yet are um you know loaned out yeah this to is prove, the, this to is, prove themselves yeah this is basically chelsea loaning yeah. out their players um, yeah. I, I I got that wrote down. It's I mean, um, okay. I mean, the thing is that the only way in which this is tolerable is if you view all of the goats concerned or sheep concerned or whatever they are. Because I hope okay. they entirely sheep as commodities. And nothing else. If you consider them in any way sentient, it becomes hilarious and disturbing at the same time. I, I mean, I wasn't disturbed. It was definitely hilarious. I mean, some of Jack's phrases, I mean, the way he talks about the trepidatiousness of the young ram <laughs> and approaching their first sexual experience. I mean, th- these rams have grown up basically in a field with only other rams so they don't they don't know anything i i I completely understood that point and then they're put in a lorry and they're driven out to a field and somebody straps a wax crayon onto their belly yeah so that they can then look at their sheep and see which ones have been mounted later on yeah he was really painting some vivid images that delighted me and he said when the ram was put into a field full of ewes and there were a lot of ewes in that field he said there were 25 there were easily 50 oh god yeah i i put i i he said 25 i put uh oh god i wrote it down um that's a minimum of 75 if not 100 and they took one look at him and went oh hello because, you know, sheep, they're not the most intelligent. They, they go, oh, there's another sheep there. Oh, look at that big ball bag that it's got. Yeah. Um, and he said that it was like turning a schoolboy loose around the back of the Folly Berger. And yeah. this chap, who has never seen anything in life except his boy companions, it's like being a boarding school ever since they left the use that uh, gave birth to them. They lived together as a bunch of male youngsters for the first time they're leaving home and now alone for the first time in his life he's walking out to meet something he has no knowledge of there's about 25 experienced women there interested in him it's like turning a schoolboy loose backstage at the Fully Berger he has absolutely no idea of what he's for or what they want and it's going to be an extraordinary 24 hours while he finds out. I feel that Jack had more sympathy with the Rams than he did with the Travellers in the first film, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, look, I... he, he, felt, he felt their pain and their confusion. And, and he, I think he, he, was very, he, was, he, he was very sympathetic towards... There was a shot of two of the Rams sort of standing in the field going... The fucking hell's just happened to us. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wrote in order, which kind of sums up my feelings towards the second part of this this particular programme. It says, um, the first note says, for Jack Hargreaves, this is not about having sex. No. And then underneath that, it says, 
he's comparing it to boarding school. Yeah. And then underneath that, it says Jesus. And then underneath <laughs> that, it says it's totally a sex thing for Jack Hargreaves. So, you know, I, 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 it, his attitude towards it was kind of troubling to me. I, I mean, at least it's consensual, <laughs> I suppose. Well, I mean, as far as. It's difficult to tell. I mean, a lot of these Rams, as Jack was pointing out, don't really know exactly what's happening. I think they soon get the idea. Um, yeah, but he's just standing there, and it's like, right. But the the what was seen to be happening is that the ewes that were currently on heat were just following the Rams around, going, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, then. Are you a Ram or not?" I wrote down here. Being a ram is fascinating, yeah. and I stand by that. Well, you know um, those, like, kind of that... Oh, how can I put this? That um, that stereotype of the man-hungry woman in a 70s sitcom yeah, yeah, who yeah. will chase a man and then off-screen something will happen and he'll turn up and his shirt will be all untucked yeah. and his face will be covered in lipstick. Yeah, yeah, hair yeah, must. Yeah. Now, these sheep, apparently, they are actually doing what is suggested in that particular trope. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Jack, Jack definitely considers all ewes to basically be hussies. There's some evidence to indicate that it may be partially true, but, I mean, you know, if they're in heat, they're in heat, aren't they? Yeah. And anyway... Who cares? But I mean, that I don't, one, I don't. one ram, that one ram, has ne- he's never seen a woman before, and all of a sudden he's in a field full of 75 ewes. It's going to be like a radish at the end. It's going to be absolutely red raw. Interesting that you should put, you should word it like that. <laughs> well, I'm, I was just, I was trying to sympathise with the ram. I mean, maybe we should... Simp- I don't know enough about sheep sex. I just think that the only way in which you, he could get through being there for that is just to view them entirely as commodities. And, well, yeah, uh, I think I, he does. I mean, you know, I'm not sort of vegan or an animal rights activist or whatever, so I, I have to yeah. say that I guess... That's uh, that would be a viewpoint that he'd be entitled to. I don't those know. Sheep, I mean, you know, they look I like, feel like they I'm... had quite a good life. Those sheep. Oh, those sheep did. But you know, I mean, we all know what's going on ultimately there. Uh, um, I like to live in a sort of rich and yeah. scary world. Oh, so I don't well, really yeah. Know oh, well, <laughs> there's just endless expanses of sheep just fanning out across the countryside like a huge duvet. Yeah, and then every year one ram comes along and has to <laughs> fuck a lot of them. Uh, they, I, I just, I don't know, he's a big ram fan, you know, he's well, clearly a big ram fan. In the uh, Before he goes to the film, he is back in the potting shed and showing off the horns of a Wiltshire ram that he knew as a boy. So, uh, yeah. obviously, when this Wiltshire ram became Wiltshire lamb, Jack's... Has taken the horns, yeah, as, and has kept them as a, a sort of souvenir of one of his favourite rams. Yeah, that's no, strange, strange yeah. thing to do. But there you go. 
Yeah. Do you know that my dad once wrote a letter to uh, Fred Dynage? What? <laughs> yeah, about... This is back... This is before YouTube and... What, what's this... Before... Continue. <laughs> this is before YouTube, before DVDs, before any of that sort of thing. And he wrote a letter to Fred Dynage. <laughs> uh, this is... Um, anyone who's listened to our Pebble Mill at 10 podcast... This is a continuation of a, an ongoing theme, which is my dad basically being told to fuck off by television presenters. He he wanted to know whether or not he could get hold of any out-of-town episodes, because my dad has great fond recollections of watching out-of-town as a boy. Right. And Fred Dynage wrote him actually quite a nice letter, saying, yeah, Jack Hargreaves was great, but, uh, you know... I don't think there's any plans to broadcast anything because it's all just racism and sheep orgies. That's the thing, isn't it? But when I when when I was watching this, I did send this uh, YouTube clip uh-huh. to my dad. I'm sure he was delighted to see a bit of a bit of Jack Hargreaves. It's a very it, there are pro there is no other program that is quite like it. Absolutely, I mean it I couldn't very, agree more. It has yeah. a pace. And a thematic structure that is like no other program that I've seen. Mm. Whether that's for the good or not, I don't know. Well, I think we may have differing opinions on that. I enjoyed the second film a great deal. Uh, I, uh, that was pretty funny. That was. It was I mean, it, it was, was very funny. funny, and it was, I think, meant to be funny as well. I mean, Jack was. Um, I can only really... assume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll give credit. Um, I'll give credit where it's due, though. What was your favourite, least favourite My favourite bit was where there was... There was one you chasing three of these very scared-looking rams across <laughs> Se- the field. Sexually inexperienced yeah. rams. And I wrote... Funny you should say that, because I wrote, that's you, your brother and your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, being chased uh, by you. So that was my favourite bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I get the feeling that you choosing a least favourite bit is going to be uh, well, yeah. a dif- difficult one. Uh, no, that's a, that's a bit of a gimme. No, I mean, you know, I'm going to be selective. Um, and I think that it was the bit where he said, Travellers which is what they call themselves, in a dismissive voice. Add a sound clip of it. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure that we can do that. I'll pause for dramatic effect. People think the gypsies wandered everywhere with their caravans, but they didn't. Gypsies had territories, like birds, like robins, and they stuck to their territories. Each in his own district wandered round in a circle, covering the ground that was his contacting the people in the next territory. And this is true now of the those gypsies who are still in caravans. And uh, this is why the old days of gypsies used to say to you they could find any other traveller, which is what they tend to call themselves, they could find any other traveller in England in ten days if you gave them a chance, because the word was passed from one territory to another until inquiring for him, until it was discovered where he was. It was the dismissive way in which he said that. Because for me, that means that he knows, you know, 
This is what they call themselves. This is what they clearly prefer to be called. And yeah. not only does he continue to call them gypsies, which I think was a slur by the mid-80s. Uh, I'm pretty certain it was. Certainly um, by the Channel 4 standards. Yeah, and the, and the slur is compounded by the fact that he makes so little effort to differentiate between Romany and Irish travellers. Well, he doesn't really touch on that at all. No, do he, he he mentions it. He says that they're like robins, but that's not yeah, really the same thing. It's not quite the same thing, is it? So, you know, there's two kind of lifestyles that coincide there, but I'm less than convinced that you're talking about one sort of single solid group of people there. I just think that when depictions of travelling communities in the media... Uh, particularly in newspapers, but also, I suspect, in television, certainly in films. Anybody who's seen Snatch will confirm. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, it's very true. Um, they get a very, very bad press, you know? A lot of negative press. I think yeah. that if somebody is there doing a programme about them from that perspective, from a perspective that isn't supposed to be openly hostile, he yeah. could do with dropping a few less kind of hostile traits. No, this is actually uh, is that is a very fair point. I mean, if you're going to make a film about the biggest yearly gathering in the traveller community, yeah. then it would be a great time to redress the balance. And exactly, he, he, yeah. He takes and I, and he I... takes none of these opportunities. Talking of the fisticuffs, on this very crossroads up to a year or two ago, there used to be a tough gypsy coming from a district near Birmingham, man in the pugilist, gypsy pugilist prize-fighting tradition. Many champion boxers have been gypsies. And after the pubs closed at lunchtime, he used to stand on this corner and offer to fight anybody for 500 pounds. And he usually had some takers. The last time I saw him, which I think was the year before this particular affair, he didn't have any takers. He stood there looking very ferocious, but rather aged, and nobody took him on. You know, it was only 1986. You know, I'm not talking about the 1690s here, yeah? <laughs> I think that by 1986, there was no excuse for somebody, be it on his production team or within Channel 4, who couldn't have said, but Jack, can you possibly redo this voiceover in a slightly friendlier tone towards the communities that you're actually talking about? 90% of this stuff is fine, but 10% of it, and most of the way you're saying it, is kind of out of line by today's standards. Yeah. But other than that, I'd never seen it before, so I was interested to see it. And so to come away from it with my big takeaway being that I think the presenter's probably a racist isn't, you know, I'm I'm not getting any great pleasure out of that, especially, you know, he's Motherfucker's been dead more than twenty five years. Mm. You know, my my uh, my takeaway from it is the story about how he they used to put a uh, a walking stick on the Wiltshire Rams' horns to stop him from breaking through into the next field to have sex with more ewes. Yeah, just thinking about the the ambition of the the fully fledged ram has boggled my mind 
ever since, really. You know, they they have that reputation for a reason. You know. Yeah, well, apparently so. They got big uh, balls as well. Yeah, enormous. Big fleecy, woolly sheep balls. Something about it. It was it was very 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 funny. Don't get me wrong, but I I kind of felt as if I shouldn't be watching it. (laughs) You know. I felt like I was intruding. I presume that you're not going to be watching any more episodes of um, Out of Town now. No, I mean, I know they're there. They are. I mean, there's a great episode where he grows a big onion, cooks a kidney in it. I mean, just why? Why would you do that? Because he had a big onion and he had a kidney, I guess. But I I don't know. I, I just, like I say. They were different times. Yeah, fortunately. <laughs> because <laughs> how do you think I'd have ever coped in a world like that? Uh, I'm I'm more worried about how you would cope as if you were a sheep. Uh, I'd be fine if I was a ram. Or a you. Maybe not if you were a you. Oh, I'll ram you. <laughs> anyway. Am I right? We thoroughly rinsed out of town. Nothing, nothing further to add. Just... It was just us now, in silhouette, with a Labrador, rowing a boat out into a lake. Yeah. As the opening titles roll. <laughs> Shouting racial epithets about Shouting racial Native epithets. Americans and travelling communities. With a ram. And also, we've stolen a piebald horse for some yeah. reason. Oh, dear, dear, dear. So what's tomorrow, then? Uh, tomorrow is the last of our regular programmes before we start the Advent Calendar. Yeah, the Advent Calendar. And we're going to do Crown Court. Looking forward to it. Actually, I am, because I fucking love Crown Court. Oh, yeah, I love Crown Court. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been saving this one up. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because you got to. Well, yeah, you got I mean, you, I mean, this advent calendar is going to be so onerous and arduous. Yeah. You've got to have something to look forward to. So this is this was yeah. our, our little cherry. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, you, it's a cherry that you eat before you have to eat a pile of dog shit <laughs> rather than after. But still, you've got to eat your cherry. Right. Okay, well, that's us done then. We'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks very much for listening. And goodbye.